MC Podcast. Jesus says, he, 
He asks this question, and then he answers it a little bit later. He says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single day to your life? Now, we know the answer to that is no one. And yet sometimes we can wear in leadership a mantle of, well, I just care about this so much that I, I'm just going to worry about it. Uh, we've, we've heard the expression, well, you know, I'm kind of a worry ward. And I think that the strength of compassion, connection, intensity, uh, left unchecked becomes worry. We need to, to worry less and wonder more. You ever, you ever seen a child at Christmas and they're staring at the tree? There's a wonder, there's an amazement, there's an awe to it. If you've looked at a sunset lately, even last night driving in, I'm like, man, this is epic. But it's easy for us in the, in the, um, the overwhelming seasons, in the, sometimes even just the mundane, to forget the wonder of being a follower of Jesus. Jesus says this, um, don't worry. I mean, he speaks directly to this. Don't worry, he says, but seek first um, his kingdom, my kingdom, and his righteousness, and all of these things that you thought were important, and they do matter, but they don't matter as much as me, will be added unto you. Worry hijacks whole days. It can sidetrack our emotional energy and consume us from the inside out. What's interesting is most of the stuff we don't, that we worry about doesn't happen. I heard a story of a, a husband and wife in what would maybe be described as a courageous conversation uh, or robust dialogue. That's, that's how we describe arguments in our house. Just a robust dialogue. And um, the, the husband was saying, you worry about everything. I can't, you worry. And she said, yeah, you're lucky because 90% of the stuff that I worry about doesn't happen. She thought she was keeping it from happening. But isn't it true that we, we don't control? In fact, there's very little that we actually do control. So if we're, if, if we're not going to worry, what do we do? Conversely, we, we cast all of our cares upon him. <laughs> what a great reminder. Because he cares for us. Because he cares and then Jesus says this. He says, come to me all who are weary and what? Heavy laden, heavy burdened, overwhelmed, stressed out, leading change. Facilitating a turnaround in an organization. Casting new vision that requires an immense amount of, of energy, of, of uh, emotional and relational capital. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. So here's a question that I want us to consider. What do you need to stop worrying about and start wondering about? Maybe some for us just the process as we spend time with, with the Lord each day. And I know we don't just have a moment with the Lord, but just throughout the day, what, Lord, what am I worried about that you want me to give to you? And sometimes my tendency is I'll walk into the building and we have this powerful time of worship and, and encounter with God through singing. And I'm just like, ah, Lord, I just surrender this to you. And on the way out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to grab that back. And I put it in my pocket. And God says, no, cast it upon me. What's heavy to me is light to him. So where, where do you need to stop worrying? Or maybe a little less? And start wondering some more. Here's the, the, the second one to consider. Um, to relax less and rest more. Now you're like, what's wrong with relaxing? Let me, let me just take a moment on this. Um, I put in my notes here, and again, I'm not um, pointing fingers in the slightest. And I want maybe a better way of saying it is, this is not to indict, but to invite us to consider something. 
maybe there's some areas where we just kind of have started to coast. And we kind of justify a lack of effort. We, we have neglected Sabbath. Relax less and rest more. And a few years ago, I was seated at a, a coffee shop. And I'm in this comfortable chair. And you know those moments where it just feels like God is just downloading stuff to you, whether it's um, vision or clarity on something or you're writing something or you know, you're, you're crafting and I'm just like, man, this is... I'm like, what in the world? It's not the chair, because I've sat in the same chair three years in a row. It, gets, it, it wasn't just the time of year. It was December 27th. You know, you have this Christmas rush and season and, and, and ministry. I don't think it's that. Um, it's not the coffee. You get good coffee anywhere. It wasn't the music. Here's what I discovered. I was arrested. Then I... Out of that, the Lord spoke to my heart. Vision flows best after rest. And the one guy who you might think shouldn't need to take rest, actually did. The one guy who might not have needed to have a, a, a day off or commune with the Father, did. In fact, what, what we see is uh, that Jesus modeled something for us. And that was a healthy dependence upon God. The Father. Now, I, I often meet with young leaders in coaching, and, and I'm sure you're doing the same things with different people in, in your churches and, and other um, coach, coaching moments. And people will sometimes say, Man, I just, I operate best last minute. And I say, Okay, let's just talk through that statement. And I wonder if it's not that you operate best last minute, it's just that you always operate last minute. And then because God is so good and His Word is anointed and living and active, that God still does great things, but not because of all of the things that we could have brought to it. Maybe even sometimes in spite of it. Could it be that we just got used to uh, procrastinating or counting on God to, God, I'm about to do fill in the blank, and I need you. And we are desperate, but there's power in preparation. And preparation can only happen when we've created a margin and space. We live in a culture that is... Uh, uh, Missing margin. I love what John Ortberg says. He says, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. That you can't love someone in a hurry. You're like, finally, bye, babe. There's, there's, there's not depth. Now, I'm not saying there's not moments that we, we have to hurry and, and be, choose a pace that fits you. But I, I think there's something about intentional rest. Larry Osborne, pastor's North Coast Church in, uh, outside of San Diego, Oceanside. And he presented a concept years ago that maybe you're familiar with it, but it's the Good Enough Bar. And the Good Enough Bar is specifically designed for engaging volunteers that whatever expression of ministry you have, they should be at least at the Good Enough Bar. But the problem is sometimes as leaders, we can live up to the Good Enough Bar, but the Good Enough Bar is not for leaders, it's for volunteers. It's it, Our standard as um, godly leaders and men and women of faith should not be that I just need to kind of get to that good enough bar. We shouldn't actually live very close to that at all. This is for people that this is new to. And I just find in the seasons where I'm frazzled and hurried and unrested, I'm a lot closer to the good enough bar than I think I should be living at. 
Some of us in the room I know are on a plane periodically. All of us have, have heard the, the spiel. In the event of a loss of cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will drop from the compartment above you. Reach for your oxygen mask. Put it on yourself before what? Assisting others. And there's a line that I heard a couple years ago that really struck me. And I don't know if it was God in the moment or, or not. I just know this. Here's what the line is. Even if the bed does not inflate, oxygen is still flowing. Our tendency would be to think it should be really obvious that it's full. But here's the promise of God. If you lean into me, if you commune with me, if you link arms with me, if you take my yoke because it's easy, my burden is light, if you learn to do it my way, you're going to actually be able to help others. And there's the videos that show, and there's different creativity that's used depending on airline, but all of them say the same thing. Put your own oxygen mask on first. And I think it's easy for us in, in the self-centered um, culture to forget about selves as pastors, ourselves, because the needs of the people are so great. And I believe that as we are healthy, as the oxygen is flowing, even if maybe it's not as the every day in the word is like a ha-ha moment. That not every moment that we have is, in fact, uh, Josiah, our youngest son, he was sitting on the couch, say Saturday, on Thursday night. We're sitting on the couch and Joanne's got her feet up on, on, his, on his lap and we're visiting and I'm chatting. And Josiah said this, he goes, Dad, you know, when I read the Bible, it just doesn't always like do much for me. And I said, me either. But I keep reading it. Now, I'm not saying the Bible is not living, active, anointed power of God's word. But what, what I remind him is there's seasons where, and I didn't say this, but for this moment, where the oxygen is flowing, even if the bag doesn't obviously inflate. That there's dry seasons, there's, there's difficult seasons, there's seasons of the wilderness. I said, you know, it's interesting, it's not every meal you eat is your favorite, or even memorable, but they all matter. And it's intentionally creating space for our heart, our mind, our spirit to be rested so that we're rejuvenated enough to have something to offer others. So here's a question for us, maybe to consider. Uh, where have you been relaxing too much and resting too little? Some of it's season of life. Uh, two words that I think are worth noting. We're not going to take a lot of time on it, but season and rhythm. Because if you have four small kids at home, you're in a season of full court press, late nights, early mornings. And I love how kids are so generous. They share colds with each other all the time. <laughs> but what if, what if you're now an empty nester? It's a different season. That's the season that we're just a couple months from. And I wonder if in each season, if we have the ability to, dis to distinguish and determine for me, what's the healthy rhythm? And really the question is, what's, what's me at my best to live and love Jesus? Live for and love Jesus. Where have you been relaxing too much and resting too little? <clears throat> Here, here's the third one. Say less and serve more. Now, again, I'm writing a letter to my 25-year-old self, but I think at 48, 
I should probably put this outfit on occasionally and wear it too. I mentioned earlier, sometimes there's a, a sense, and I'm not minimizing preparation, execution, and then the platform that God gives people in the slightest. But I think we can often say more when we say less. A mentor of mine reminds me occasionally, two with two things. In fact, I, I had the privilege of speaking in a, an event as a, a, a student at Northwest University. And my pastor, the campus pastor, Al Munger, had been at the church, which was my home church. He'd been there for 30 years. And this is one of those guys, like, if I could end up being, like, kind of like him, mission accomplished, right? Enormous love and respect for him and his marriage and just who he is. And I'd spoken and I'd just given everything I have. I'm a junior in college and he sits down. We have an hour-long uh, meeting scheduled. And here's what he says to me. Talk slower. And he walked out. <laughs> Talk slower. <laughs> that, that's it. And it's some of the best wisdom I've ever got from him. And sometimes I can be in such a, a hurry to, to make a point and to say something that maybe, maybe I need to say a little bit less, but serve a little bit more. And serving requires us to be intentional with the people that God has placed us next to. He came back later and he took some more time. So I just want you to let that marinate for a few minutes. It's also interesting that the clarity that we have when we're not in charge is amazing. Isn't it true? Like when I don't have to make the final call, when I'm not the, 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 the head person, I'm not the person in charge, I have lots of ideas, I've got creativity, I'm like, oh, we should just do this. It's amazing the clarity I have when I'm not in charge. And so if I said less and figured out how can I serve more, I think actually I might be able to serve better. Now, how many of you are football fans? Let me see your hands. I should just say how many of you are good people? Just kidding. Total um, kidding. We're friends now, so I can teach you. Um, I love football. Love football, play football, love watching it. It's actually relaxing for me. It doesn't matter who's playing. It's better if it's the Seahawks playing, but if they're not, that's fine. I just love watching football. And it's not like an uh, obsession, and I'm not offensive either, but um, that was a joke. Um, but there's this, this, this thing that happens with football, and, and there's these people called armchair quarterbacks. And an armchair quarterback, we all know because we like immediately, some of you thought of someone in your church and where they sit every Sunday. But um, it's the person that's actually not in the game and what's interesting is the, 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 the person that's in the, the armchair, they actually have a better view of the game than the players in the field. But they're not in the game. And if we're not careful, we can even as leaders step into an armchair quarterback role and forget what it feels like to be the quarterback on the field. And that's where saying less but serving more actually allows us to bring something of value and constructive. Now, what would you normally hear after the word constructive? Criticism. What if we just brought constructive energy? There's something powerful about saying less. And it doesn't mean you don't have anything to say or not much to say. It, it means you're going to be intentional with it. I, I wish my 25-year-old self had heard and understood what I'm saying today. But as a 48-year-old, I'm trying to live this very thing out. Where and when... Do you need to say less and serve more?
I'll give you an example. My wife is halfway through her PhD. She finished her uh, principalship. And uh, I need to say less about the laundry and get into the laundry room and do it. <laughs> Dead serious. Like, well, how's that happen to the church? Well, I am the church. And when I serve her, it becomes a ripple effect of me asking, how can I actually serve other people? If we're not careful in leadership and in ministry and in um, positional leadership specifically, we can begin to um, shift or drift into, I don't think anyone starts there because that's not the spirit of most people going into ministry or service, but we can begin to drift into an attitude of entitlement if we're not intentional about choosing an attitude of service. That's just a practical home front example of how God's been stirring me. When and where do I need to say less and serve more? In our context of ministry, it's going to look different. But isn't it true? Ministry is not just what happens at church, but it's as the church. Here's number four. Perform less and prepare more. I realize this is a um, a group who studies, who recognizes the critical nature of preparation. So again, this is not um, indicting, but inviting for us just to step back and assess. Um, but it's easy if your gifts are um, teaching up front, verbal gifts, to rely on some of the charisma and natural talent that's allows you to do a good job, but actually you're really close to doing a great job. And sometimes we can overestimate the power of a moment and underestimate the power of consistency. Our, our talents are from God, but ministry is not a performance. And it's out of our preparation that the best expressions of the gospel are presented. Jesus, the one guy, like I said, who uh, didn't need a team to build one and was God, fully God and fully man, communed with the Father. We, we read in, in, in Mark um, 135 very early in the morning while it was still dark. Some of you are like, I'm out. I'm not a morning person. But for Jesus, it was early in the morning while it was still dark. But say he, he got up, went to a solitary place where he communed. He prayed. And a note to my 25-year-old self would say this, figure out your divine design and when you feel most connected and engaged with God, where it's at your best, where I'm not giving God leftovers, but I'm giving Him my best. Jesus models this dependence upon the Father. And what a beautiful way to live. And yet, what a humbling way to live. Ministry for all of us is really an overflow of whose we are. And whose we are is most important. And that's that we're a child of the King. That we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That He knew us before we were even born. He knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ministry is an overflow of whose we are and then publicly of who we are. It's easy to despise small beginnings, isn't it? And get distracted by what we don't see and miss what others do see. January 15th of 2009, flight 1549 took off from New York LaGuardia. 
150 people, 155 uh, people on board. And almost immediately after takeoff, you'll know the story I'm telling as soon as I give these details, both engines had birds sucked into their engines and they lost almost full forward thrust. That is a typically a catastrophic chain of events that so rarely happens, the training and the preparation is very limited. It was at that moment that the captain radioed the LaGuardia Tower and the Teterboro Tower, and he asked this question, is it possible to land there? And a split second later, he recognizes we do not have enough um, momentum and engine power, and he radios back. Not possible. We won't make it. And then he begins to prepare the cabin, the flight crew, and himself for a water landing. <laughs> a lot of planes have crashed in the Hudson, and a few have landed. But never has an, a uh, an a Airbus A320 landed safely. <laughs> He's kind of doing the impossible. Now some of us saw the clip or even saw the movie afterward, but here's what he says after landing safely on the river and every passenger on board surviving and the plane not even sinking, which also uh, kept a natural disaster from happening in the river. Here's what he says. He says, in that moment, I had to rely on the preparation and training as far back, it was about 25, as far back as my flight training days in the Air Force. In the moment, what was seemingly insignificant would 25 plus years later become one of the most significant things in his experience. Because the preparation allowed him to land this plane safely and it preserved lives. If I was to add a PS to my note to my 25-year-old self, here's what it would say. Yes, everything's going to be okay. Now again, I'm speaking to, to you as a follower of Jesus. I'm not speaking to our culture right now. I'm not speaking to the dynamics that you're trying to work through and work out in your context and what's next. I'm just saying to you in this room as a follower of Jesus, as literally child of God, here's what God says. Everything's going to be okay. Jesus would say it this way, take heart. Hey, in this world, <laughs> in your community, at your job, even in your church, in this world you're going to have trouble. But take heart, for he says, I have overcome the world. Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So a note to my 25-year-old self would be not to indict, but really to invite once more to lean into these four things. And I wonder if, as we um, continue to find our identity in Christ, as we hone the skills and some of the necessary next steps 
that will mark the iteration of your ministry, whatever that's going to be. Whether you say, I'm settling in as a settler, not settling, but I'm, I'm putting down roots as a settler in preparation to help others pioneer. Or you say, I, I'm going to be part of pioneering. As you cast a clear and compelling vision that's clear to we, not just me, it all springs out of and it all flows out of whose we are. And the one whose voice matters most says this, I love you. I'm with you. I got you. And I, I would also, one last, I think he would say, either dream again or keep dreaming. I want to take a moment to pray a blessing over you. We'll allow some time if there's things that we'd like to discuss together. But Lord, I just, I pray for my friends. I pray for these incredible men and women who, who lead and love uh, your church. And it is your church, God. It's not ours. Uh, there's a, there's a, um, a time stamp on our, our time in every assignment. It's your church. But Lord, what we do and how we steward, it really matters. So God, we pray that it's out of a, a healthy us, a thriving us, a, a growing us. Maybe it's a, a healing us. Or that our relationship with you would continue to be anchored in, in whose we are. Not what we do, not what others think or say, but what you say about us. God, where we're susceptible to do things our way, would we once more just say, God, lead me into your way. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. And he will make you pass. Pray a blessing over my friends. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. SMC Podcast.